Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's topic, 101s are business meetings. Here we go. Probably one of the most frequently asked questions we get on one-on-ones is, what do I do if one of my directs doesn't want to have them, right? (laughs) (laughs) We make the mistake of kind of laugh chuckling at this one every time, or I do, I know I do, right? Yeah. Now, mind you, this isn't the question that managers ask who are already doing one-on-ones, right? If they're doing them, they they want to know how to handle the usual hypothetical situations, you know, of a direct who crosses their arms or won't talk, talk. right? Right. But that's a different answer for a different time. Yeah. How many times? Think about this, though. These are are two fairly common questions when people are starting out with one-on-ones. Today's cast is about, is for managers who have never done one-on-ones before, right? And, and, uh, you know, what if my directs don't want to have them? They're, they're, They're creating a hypothetical negative in the future, which is a classic way for people to decide not to do something as well. What I'm doing may not be good, but that thing has a problem that I know and can identify. That future that you're suggesting has a problem I know I can identify. And so I don't want to do that because that's a risk I'm aware of. And most people aren't aware of the risks there are, the risks that are involved and they're already taking, right? But when people say, hey, what do I do about the direct who cross arms? I mean, th- think about it. I mean, how many times have we actually heard from somebody at a conference or a client that somebody actually, one of their directs actually did that for more than, say, two months? Have we, I mean, never, there, I don't know, never, maybe one, maybe I have a vague recollection that one person says, yeah, it took four or five months. And then he finally started, started talking. If you think about it, four months, four weeks per month, 16, that's eight hours. That's only eight hours that you're getting little value from the direct. But on the other hand, you're getting a lot of value as a manager. Yeah. But that's a different answer for a different time for those, for those people. It's simple. When people ask us, I chuckle about what do I do if my directs doesn't want to have them because, because of the answer that they'll hear in this cast, right? If you haven't even started one-on-ones and, and, and a manager says they're not interested, you know, it, or, or, or if the direct says, sorry, if the direct says they're not interested, it's funny the rationales we get. I mean, if somebody says they're not interested, if they say they don't need them, they think it's not necessary. Uh, we talk all the time. I'm not much of a talker anyway. Just read my reports. I love the one that the, where folks say, I don't need to be managed. <laughs> yeah, I, exactly. I'm someone who doesn't need to be managed. Exactly. Yeah, that would be like, I'm someone who doesn't need air. I'm sorry, you you work here, so therefore you're being managed, right? Don't you agree when someone says, I'm someone who doesn't need to be managed, what they're saying is, I like the freedom to do whatever the heck I want. And when I, I don't want, want how you to I be want somebody it. who sure. corrects me. Exactly, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is to say, I'm professionally immature, right? Or I'm too busy. My role is special. The last guy didn't do them. Uh, we've never done them before. Oh, that's good because that's why you're using email now because when you started when you were younger, you didn't have email, but you decided not to because I've never done email before, so therefore I'm not going to. Is everybody else going to do them? Is it just me? Why are you singling me out? I don't need you to care about me. <laughs> okay, sorry. The whole caring thing is not about whether you need it. It's I care, period. Uh, I'm not going to share stuff with you just so you know. Do I get overtime for that considering how busy I already am? Uh, who's going to cover my desk? Who's going to cover my work? Who's going to cover my machine? Who's going to cover my process while we're blabbing in your office, Mr. Junior <laughs> manager, right? So if you've ever thought about those, if you're a manager listening and, and you're thinking about doing one-on-ones, 
we're talking about those kinds of situations that you probably created as a straw man in your head. And we're not saying they're common because they're not, they're really not. And part of the reason is because of this cast and what we'll talk about. But just in case we have four recommendations, four steps that we want to take you through in this recommendation, this guidance about how to handle folks who say, I don't want to do them. And the step one is, look, first of all, let's agree. One-on-ones are business meetings, right? They're designed for business results, and you have an obligation to achieve better business results. And as a manager, therefore, you engage in behaviors that are designed to get better results. Our key point here is point two. One-on-ones are not optional. If you decide to do them, it's not optional. Please, folks, don't have some people do them and some people not based on whether they want to do them or not. The key word in this entire cast is insist. And we'll describe specifically what to say and why to say it and what not to say in a little bit. Another thing it's important to note, point three, early misses rarely continue. If somebody misses a, a, maybe their first meeting or they missed the third one or whatever, don't, don't assume that when they miss the first meeting, oh my gosh, this person's not going to come ever again. Have a little bit of patience. We counsel patients on that and we'll recommend a couple other things to do as well. And then look, if somebody repeatedly misses, let's say in the first six that you're scheduled, they only come to two, that's a different discussion and, and it deserves a discussion. And we recommend you have that discussion and you handle it the way you normally would anything. And if If you're doing feedback already, you're not following our protocol for doing one-on-ones first, then you would give negative feedback. But if it's not negative feedback, you would just have a discussion with them about telling them there are consequences for their actions. Okay. And the reason there can be consequences is because you're the boss and because you can insist and because this is a business meeting. Okay. Well, let's talk about that. I want to talk about your first point because this is surprising. You say one-on-ones are business meetings. I've been listening to your podcast. Actually, I've been participating in the podcast (laughs) for the last five years. And I thought you said one-on-ones are about relationships. I know this, it's not necessarily about fun. Right. Aren't these for relationships? Yeah. No, wait, no, no you, you, you change your wording there. They're certainly about relationships. Okay. But they're not for relationships. We don't do anything. I mean, if somebody said, hey, you need to do this because it'll have better relationship with your directs, the question I would ask is, What's the value of a better relationship with my direct if I'm a really analytical person, right? So they're not for relationships. We don't do them just for the relationship. It's about creating a relationship. The only reason to conduct one-on-ones is that we believe the time spent doing them leads to better overall business results. It's for overall business results we do them, and it's better overall results than spending that time doing something else. And what we know is that the vast majority, 99% of people, need a solid clear relationship with their boss, with their manager in order to achieve at the highest level. So we're manipulating our directs, right? We're, we're manipulating no. our directs into believing that they have a relationship with us so we can get better business results. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that reminds me of the old, uh, the old joke about Hollywood. If you can fake sincerity, you've got it made. No, we're not suggesting anybody manipulate anybody. We're simply saying we know that if you have a better relationship, and by the way, relationships are, are formed by communication. It's not rocket science. If you want to take relationships out of the discussion, like our friend, you know, Rob McElroy, the guy at Daphne Utilities that recently won one of the best companies in America to work with and 
uh, work for, a uh, small, small company to work for, both Wall Street Journal two years ago and Inc. this last year. I mean, he, he's very open. He says, it's about communication. You guys preach communication and, and uh, we communicate all the time. It's not, it doesn't have to be, if you don't want to say relationship, you can say it's designed to increase communication. Now, the fact is, if you increase communication, you're going to end up with a better relationship. And what we know is better relationships slash more communication lead to better business results. Look, the fact is, the only reason we do anything among those things we have control over relative to our time, the only reason to do anything is because we believe what we're doing leads to better overall business results. I mean, think about it. If you knew that spending time on task B would get you better results than task A, you'd do it, right? Sure, I would. I mean, <laughs> yeah, right. Now, look, when we posit something like that, we understand that the fact is you never really truly know, right? You, you have to make a judgment call about whether B is better than A or vice versa. But within the bounds of reasonable knowledge and supposition, you make choices every day about what to do with your available time. Not saying all of your time is available to you. We understand that. And here, here's what's really important when you think about this a little bit larger in the, in the bigger context of an organization, folks. Even if you're not sure about whether what you're doing is of the most results delivering value, in other words, whether or not it's really, really good to do, your boss assumes that you're making choices based on what delivers the most results for the organization, Right. And so everything we do at work ought to be about delivering as much value as we can, either immediately, right away, or as a, an investment in future results based on a cost-benefit analysis of what results can I get now versus what results can I get later. And oftentimes, that's why people do things in their C-level priorities at the end of the day, because they don't want to tackle a big job, and it feels good to get something done small which is usually a bad choice, but nevertheless. And basically, if you choose to do one-on-ones, you're engaging in a business-building behavior. Communication leads to better relationships. Better relationships and communication lead to better business results. All the data are in. It's incontrovertible. Whether your directs really understand that they would want a better relationship or not. In fact, a um, discussion we had recently with somebody, somebody said a lot of people didn't realize they could get done what they got done. And that's the job of the manager and leader to say, I believe this is possible, and here are the different things we're going to do to help us get there. I mean, for those people who have been to our conferences, or if you've read Between the Lines and all of our casts all over the last number of years, it boils down to the realization that better relationships with our directs create better results for the organization. And for those of you who are premium content subscribers, when you download this, you'll see that that's one of those phrases we have in an orange box. Better relationships with our directs create better relationships for better results for our organization. Simple as that. And if you know you can create a better relationship simply by sitting down for half an hour each week, this is a meeting to do not because you love and care and secretly are a warm and squishy kind of person, because we know some of you are not. I mean, I'm not talking about myself necessarily. We do it because it gets better results. They're for work. One-on-ones are for work. They're about work, even when they're also about relationships and communication. So that means they're work meetings, which is a business meeting. And so therefore, they have all the normal standing that business meetings do. Yeah, which leads you to your, our second point. And if you buy the fact they're about relationships, but they're for work, then just like any other business meeting, one-on-ones are not optional. And you can insist on it. Yeah, exactly. So what we say is insist. And, and folks, we don't mean cajole. We don't mean persuade. We mean insist. When your directs give you one of the many and varied rationales for not wanting to do them, hopefully you all had a, got a chuckle out of the long list we've heard before that we started with at the top of the discussion, you simply say something like, hey, thanks for the input. We're going to do them. 
And by the way, that's an insistence, right? You're, you're essentially ignoring the challenge, and that's what insisting is. You say, hey, thanks. I appreciate you sharing that with me. It's good for me to know where you're coming from, and we're still going to do them. Or, hey, I hear your concerns. This one's my call. Okay? Or you say, hey, thanks, right? But this one's non-negotiable. Or you could say, appreciate it. See you then. And, and when they ask you, do I have to come? I always think we ought to be more precise when we can be. And so you could say, no, you don't have to, but I'll expect you there. And if you're not there, there'll be consequences. So no, you don't have to do anything you don't want to do. But as long as you understand, there'll be consequences if you're not there. And for some of that's going to feel kind of harsh, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. It'll be too much. It'll be too harsh. And, and we respect that for some of you, you say, ah, that's really not me. Okay. You're tempted to ask, why? What are your concerns? So, you know, address the direct concerns. And, and look, folks, we respect that. And we have an obligation to tell you that you don't get paid to do what you like to do or that you want to do. You get paid to do what's effective. And you work for the organization, okay? And if you say, when one of your directs says, I don't want to do it, and you say, well, let me explain to you again. I've already explained to you once, assuming you follow the, the Trinity rollout guidance we've given a couple of years ago. I, you know, I, let me explain it to you again. I, quite frankly, if you explain it to the person again who's already heard the rationale, hey, I want better results, better communication, this will work. If you've ever had a boss who didn't keep you informed on things or your boss didn't know what you were doing, you know how much you hate that. We're going to do it differently here. And if you then list for somebody who pushes back after they've already heard the rationale, if you list the reasons why you've already said it, they will then take each of those reasons and challenge you on them. It's a complete false argument. They're just wanting to be, in some cases, it's passive aggressiveness. In other cases, it's just, well, he hasn't said I have to be there. And so therefore, there's a chance that I can convince the boss, right? Okay. I, that, that makes sense to me. But we've talked about in the podcast, we certainly talked about conferences, about role power. And we've suggested to folks that generally, it's better not to rely on role power Yet here, yeah. it seems very clear to me, at least, that we are relying on role power here. And that just seems different than what we'd normally say. Yeah, it's different, but in the same way that having a baby is different, but it's neither good nor bad. It's just, you know, having a baby is something that happens, right? Look, organizations don't give out role power willy-nilly, right? If it was, then everybody would act as like the CEO, you are given certain amounts of role power in order to handle certain situations where it's better to have role power. Now, the manager who has role power in this situation and doesn't use it, but chooses to re-engage and resell and re-persuade and listen to all the concerns and so on, if you've already done a legitimately good job, if you've done your best to communicate with people, the manager who doesn't use the role power and insist, but wants to re-engage again, is wasting her time. Look, think of it this way. And it really is a question of time here, right? Suppose your boss asked you to attend a meeting. Suppose you knew it was for a project that was likely a dud, right? But your boss said you had to go. If you're listening, folks, would you blow it off? Would you not go? <laughs> yeah. And then would you, would you expect your boss to say, hey, nice call. You, you knew it was a dud and it was a test I put you through. And so you didn't go and you were saying, I've got something better to do. I tell you, if you do that, you better be really doing something really important, right? You know, would you expect your boss not to care? Frankly, I'd bet, I mean, you may disagree, Mike, but I'd bet less than 5% of the people listening would even consider not going if their boss said, hey, I need you to go to meeting X. Yeah. 
Well, right, no doubt. And I bet less than five percent of the people that would even consider it would then actually not go. So we're talking about five percent of five percent, whatever that is, right? Point four percent, or I'm sorry, what is that? That's point two five percent, right? We, we've actually said before that we don't understand. We at Manager Tools don't understand why managers tolerate from their directs that which we wouldn't dream of expecting our boss to tolerate from us, right? I think I talked about that recently. I I can't remember where, with a client or at a conference or whatever. Listen, if your boss suggests to go to a meeting, you wouldn't even think about missing it, okay? And you're smart, folks. We know you're smart. What makes you think your directs thinking about missing a meeting, because that's what a one-on-one is, and a meeting you're requiring of them, what makes you think your directs thinking about missing that meeting makes them smart? It doesn't. It just doesn't. Let's think about it a little bit differently. Let's talk about, you mentioned about the role power thing, right? So let, let's, let's address role power a little bit more directly. To your directs, you get to speak for the company. I want to say that again. To your directs, you get to speak for the company, right? To your directs, in fact, you represent the company. The company gives you role power as a small talisman, a recommendation that at times you get to speak for the company. If you can fire someone, in other words, have them stop working for the organization, HR doesn't do that, by the way, you do it as the manager. If you can fire someone, then you are separating them from the organization. So you're saying, I hold the keys to whether or not you work for the organization, which means the organization trusts you to make that decision. Okay. When you speak, what you say, listen carefully to this, particularly you, you newer managers, which this cast is, is, is really sort of leaning toward. When you speak, what you say is being said by the company. So when the company says we have a new electronic document filing system, the company expects you to say it for them, right? Hey, everybody needs to brief their teams on X, right? Would your directs be able to opt out of that because, I don't know, because they don't want to? Yeah, I don't want to. Doubt it. When the company tightens expense reporting requirements, you probably brief your team, right? The, your boss sends you a note, hey, brief everybody on this, right? I'm going to brief you guys, and then I want you to brief your, your, your directs as well. And when you brief the team, you're briefing the team for the company. And you're briefing the team as the company because, to your directs, you are the company. You're representative of the company. Could your team opt out of, of the finance system in your organization or the payroll system or the travel, all the systems that the company has to make itself more efficient? Or office assignments, for instance. Hey, I like that VP's office. I'm going to go take his office. Or I want better furniture. I'm going to go get it from the warehouse. No, your team couldn't do that. They couldn't, period. And if they did it, you'd be stunned and you'd say, no, it doesn't work that way. Stop. Put it back. Don't do that anymore. You're not going to get paid for expenses because you said you didn't want to do it our way. So you're given role power as a way for the company to speak directly to your directs and also so that you don't have to attempt to persuade all of your directs. Otherwise, basically what you have is directs saying, I'm not going to do it unless you convince me. And then suddenly the company is being run by the directs. All the directs, you could have a bunch of directs that say, I'd like you to spend six hours trying to convince me. And if I'm done, I don't like it. I'm just going to say no. Now, look, this is a rare situation where role power makes sense. I mean, I stand on our history that be persuasive when you can. 
right? Be communicate in a way that makes sense to your directs when you can. And that's the vast majority of the time. And we ought to be able to change our behaviors to be effective with different people. And when you're rolling out a new system, you take the time to explain what the system is, why it is, how it works, how it's going to be implemented. And you're persuasive. You think about all the different people in the room and try to make sense of it for them. But if someone complains, you don't do it all again and you don't do it a third and fourth time. At some point, you have to say, no, I've made a decision that this is how we're going to operate our part of the organization my part of the organization, this team, and I'm going to insist it's done. So be clear, we're not telling you to repeat the rationale that you've hopefully already given when you talk about one-on-ones. Hopefully you brief everybody about one-on-ones. I mean, we're not saying you can't do that. We're saying you're wasting your time to do it if you've already done it at least once. Repeating your rationale for doing one-on-ones is selling them again. And you walk everybody through it. It's already done. Don't resell it. In other words, don't choose to resell, choose to insist. Don't persuade at that point, command. And I know that sounds harsh. If you're a high S or, or particularly if you're, even if maybe if you're a high I, you're going to say, yeah, you know, I, I want to spend more time with my people. A new manager tools paradox, you know, use role power to build relationship power. There you go. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, use role power in a very small way when that one or two people out of 20 says, Yeah, I don't think I really want to do it. I mean, remember, the point I'm making here is you starting one-on-ones is just like the company changing the finance system. You are, to your team, to your directs, the company. The finance system that you brief them on is just like one-on-ones. It's a change in the way we do business designed to improve our business results. One-on-ones are not a kumbaya meeting. It's not holding hands around the campfire. It's designed to get better results, just like the finance system, just like the payroll system, just like the time clock system. Every single system is designed to get better. If a system is designed to make it worse, then they're not going to do it. It may end up not being better, right? But the design is to be better. And you're obligated to, you're obligated to follow the corporate systems. And when a manager puts together one-on-ones, decides to do them, you are essentially initiating a new corporate system for your team of people. Yeah. Now, look, um, there are three types of power in organizations, right? Now, let's just cover that. Role power, relationship power, and expertise power. Role power is the weakest of the three overall, but it is the strongest of the three in certain situations that feel dramatic. Often, professionally immature bosses rely only on role power because they think about, hey, I can fire people. So therefore, I'll threaten to fire people. And because jobs are important to people in terms of food, clothing, and shelter, that's the ultimate power. Well, it's not. It's only the ultimate power in certain situations. We don't often recommend it, and overusing it absolutely diminishes it. But when it's used rarely, it is the absolute most powerful influence you can have in the organization. And we often say that power is inversely proportional to how often one has to use it. The way to think about that is compare the manager who threatens to fire all the time, but never seems to do it as a way of motivating people, quote unquote, motivating. Compare that manager to the one who never threatens to fire, but the one time he does fire somebody, it is without contestation or doubt from anybody including the person on the receiving end. He's persuasive. He's openly communicative. He is clear about what he wants. He's honest. He's forthright. Uh, He doesn't threaten. He encourages. He provides resources. And when, in fact, he's given every possible thing he can, he then says, no, I'm going to engage my role power. 
That's the other extreme of the real power we're talking about here where, look, I'm going to persuade you. I'm going to explain why. And you don't get to decide whether or not any corporate system gets to apply to you or not. And so I'm going to do my best. I'm going to try real hard to help you understand. And then I'm going to insist. And you don't have to be insist loudly. You don't have to be rude. You don't have to be unprofessional. You can say, hey, thanks for the input. I'll see you there. Well, you expect me to go? Um, yeah, I do. Well, I don't really want to go. Well, okay. Well, then don't, but there'll be consequences. Well, that feels like a threat. It's, it's not a threat. It's just, look, it's the same way when I have a financial system and you don't want to use it, you're not going to get paid. I mean, it's not a threat. It's just, this is the way the company does business. Well, actually, that's not the way the company does business. It's the way you do business. Yes. And in my team, for all intents and purposes, I represent the company and I'm given a little bit of leeway about how I manage me and my team. And this is how we're going to do it. Well, I think I want to go talk to your boss. Well, let me show you the way, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. Expect people to show. And after you've sold them on the value, you've taken the time to be persuasive and understand why you want to do it. It's not up for discussion. Tell them it's not up for discussion. This is the way we're doing it. You're given your power for a reason and used rarely, but wisely. It's, it's a wonderful time. And this is a time to use it. Yeah. Hopefully that was helpful. I'm trying, you know, we believe in communication. We believe in relationship power and you do have role power and there are times to use it. It's not just termination. It's not just hiring where you use role power. There are times when after you've made a good faith effort to persuade, to communicate, you then insist. Not rudely, just politely. Yeah, I think that distinction is useful because if you listen to to most of our podcasts, we really downplay the use of role power. But there are times when it is absolutely necessary and not only required, but there are times when it is the most effective way to go. It's just right. rarely so. And this is one of those times when it actually is. Yeah, there's, there's probably a few other situations we got to think about. This cast is really about one-on-ones and addressing the pushback that some people get. But we probably ought to think about what are the other times where we'd recommend insisting or, or role power be clear about role power is the thing that we're wanting to leverage rather than relationship power or expertise power with our directs. Yeah. We'll have to think about that. So, okay. What about the times when somebody insists, right? I got my one-on-one schedule with Joe next Thursday, Thursday comes around and he just doesn't show up. Right. I mean, I insisted and he decided for whatever reason, he just, he wasn't going to participate. Yeah. Look, first of all, let's not assume that that it's a bad thing. And maybe they forgot. Could be. It could be that their flight plane was late getting back or something on a Thursday or Friday, whatever. But it also could be the whole passive aggressive thing. Yeah, I said I'd be there, but I'm not going to show. And let's see what the boss does, right? Our first recommendation is don't worry about it. We've seen this happen before where people don't show for the first one. In the majority of the cases, let's say 70%, roughly, I'm gonna, that's a guess, 70%, it's simply a miscommunication, a misunderstanding, a lack of scheduling, whatever, and there is no intent to push back. In maybe a third, maybe, you know, 66, 70, 75, you know, 25 to 30 to 35%, they're actually doing, what's the, uh, a, civil, this, a form of civil disobedience, right? <laughs> um, but the key is, even if they're doing that, it almost always writes itself. So are you suggesting then that if somebody doesn't show up to a one-on-one, I just ignore it and move on? No, no. Look, I mean, in the same way that if I had a team meeting and the team sits pretty close together and everybody, you know, everybody was at work that day and the team meeting's at 10 and 
we're getting ready to start. Maybe you'd poke your head out. If one person's not there, you poke your head out and say, Bobby, out there, we're, we're starting. And he goes, oh, sorry, I'm on the phone. Give me just a minute, right? So if a foot dragger, we'll call him foot dragger, if he, if he no-shows, just go find him. Ask him, hey, you forget we got a one-on-one. You know, maybe you have to explain to them it wasn't optional. And you'll know probably in the first 30 seconds whether or not they're, they have a good attitude about it. But, you know, hey, it's not optional. Other things are going to have to wait. We, you and I have a meeting scheduled. And think about it for a minute. If you had a meeting with your boss, would, when you, would you, to, how would you feel if your boss came down and said, Hey, we have a meeting? And you're like, Yeah, okay. I mean, would you even, would you even dream of doing that? No, I'm no. totally embarrassed. And that's right? why so often I think this is a false concern that managers have, as I'm, as I alluded to earlier, right? But we know it's a concern, and so we want to address it. So, look, if they sit close to you, and it's only taking you two minutes to track them down, tell them to come to your office and conduct a 25-minute one-on-one. Right. And then maybe at the end say, hey, listen, next time, could you be on time? I'd appreciate it if you could be on time. Yeah, and this is just part of the the idea of insisting, right? They don't show yeah. up. You're going to insist it exactly. takes place. Yeah. In fact, if you, if, they, if you can see them, you know they know it's, there's a meeting, right? If they don't know, when you go to their desk, they'll be like, oh, I'm sorry. I'll, yeah, I'm coming. If they do know and they're sitting there and they know they're within, they're within 100 feet of you, then yeah, if you don't go, you're essentially allowing them to win. You're essentially not insisting. And by the way, let's be clear. That first time where they don't show, that's the last time you go to their desk. They knew it was mandatory. They didn't show up. This is just adult professional behavior 101. And you insisted by going to get them. Believe us, folks, they get it now. They know this is a weekly meeting. They know it's mandatory and you came and got them. The next time, they'll know they're missing it and they're doing it on purpose. They're an adult. Expect them to behave like one. You don't have to go get them and then give them some feedback. Now, if you want to go get them, that's okay. But I would suggest don't because what you're doing is saying, you can stiff arm me and make me come get you. And I'm going to aid and abet your passive-aggressive, unprofessional behavior. And let's take the passive-aggressive out of it and just say, I'm going to aid and abet your unprofessional behavior. What other meetings am I asking you to go to as representative of the team that you don't want to and you just wait for the other person to come get you? Holy Toledo, how long would you tolerate that? Right. Not very. Okay. So what do I do if that, in fact, happens? What if somebody repeatedly misses that the one-on-one, right? It is extremely rare. But again, oh, a lot of managers yeah. are thinking about that. And and it's fair for people to ask that question and they need to know how to handle if it does show up. Yeah, you're right. You're totally right. We, we want people, this is about persuasion and understanding about the various stumbling blocks to one-on-ones. And, you know, like anything new, there are stumbling blocks. But this cast really isn't the place of the question in a way because repeated misses of one-on-ones are not about one-on-ones. They're about a total lack of professionalism in the same way that you wouldn't diss your boss repeatedly by not going to a meeting with him or with her or with somebody else in the organization that your boss said you had to go to. You know, but, but people do say, what if, you know, what if they say no? What if they don't want to? What if they have a good reason? What if they don't show? Again, people don't say they would ever do that. Their boss, I, you know, and, and, and the people who ask this are always folks who have never done one-on-ones. It's, it's sort of the ultimate hypothetical. <laughs> yeah. But look, if you're seeing somebody fail to show up, treat it the way you would them not showing up for staff meetings or town halls or other mandatory meetings. If you're already given feedback in the managerial feedback model, and please, hopefully you're given positive feedback first, you're rolling it out appropriately, then go ahead, give them feedback. 
If not, if you're not doing that, talk to them about the consequences of failing to accomplish any professional obligation, which is what a meeting request is. In other words, think about what you would do if you asked Bob, who works for you, to go to some other meetings and he chose not to go repeatedly. How would you sit down and talk to him? We have a way of teaching that. It's the feedback model. And we recommend actually you go slow and delivering it and you learn it. Um, we don't suggest you go listen to the podcast right now and immediately go give negative feedback. But whatever way you would normally talk to one of your directs, and if you don't have feedback, it would probably sound something like, hey, listen, you're missing meetings and that's not acceptable. You need to change your behavior. You know, you could even say, I love you. And this behavior has got to stop. I expect you to be at meetings that you're obligated to be at. If you're not going to be at meetings, you're not a professional and there's no place in my team for people who aren't professionals. Right? Yep. Now, again, if you're, if you know our feedback model, you know, there's an easy way to change into, Hey, can I give you some feedback when you don't show up for meetings, when you don't show up for one-on-ones, uh, it's inefficient, ineffective, and it's, it's unprofessional. Can, can you do that different? And you get them to commit to new behavior. That's all. Yeah. All this stuff is pretty straightforward. I think once folks get in their minds, they make the transition from thinking about one-on-ones being for relationships and instead being about relationships and it being for work. It's for results. And so once you get straight in your head that one-on-ones are in fact a business meeting, all this makes sense. There is no other business meeting that you would tolerate yeah. folks not showing up for. Yeah. In fact, we could have probably called it. I mean, because it's a one-on-one, it, it, the, the name of it implies it's about two people in a room as opposed to it being a meeting. Well, two people can be a meeting and you just say, we could call this the weekly results meeting right? We're going to sit down and every week, you're going to have 10 minutes to talk about whatever you want to talk about. I'm going to have 10 minutes to talk about it. And then we're going to talk about the future as well. And it's going to be the weekly results meeting. And I think people would have a different opinion of that. The problem is we've discovered in calling it something like that years ago, people made it all about work and there wasn't enough, you know, the directs didn't feel like they could have a fuller relationship with with their bosses, which is less effective. I think there are some high D's and high C's in the world that that's what they have is a weekly results meeting and it's not terribly personal. And and we'll do a cast at some point in the future about that one-on-ones don't have to be deeply personal. It's nice to be personable when you do it, but if you and your director are both high D's, you don't have to do kumbaya um, in order to achieve results. So that's it. It's just about being professional, right? So wrapping up, one-on-ones are business meetings. Um, They are for business results. They're about relationships, but they're for business results. They're not optional. And so you can insist. It's a little bit of role power. It's it's a momentary pinch for the direct, but it's worthwhile because it saves a bunch of time. We don't want you to go around pinching your directs all the time. Folks, every once in a while a miss happens early on, but there's no intent. Let it go. Be patient. Uh, they'll get over it. But if they miss a lot, then obviously you've got to have a discussion with them, however you would normally do that. If you're worried about pushback when you start one-on-ones, this cast is designed to help you try not to be so worried. They're like any other meeting you call designed to improve the results of your team and therefore the organization. They're not something you ask your directs to attend if they want to attend any more than you would ask a direct to follow corporate procedure regarding pay or health benefits or benefits or vacation or expenses or project status or anything, right? And if a direct misses a couple of one-on-ones, handle it the way you presently would regarding mistakes or areas. Try not to punish people. That doesn't work. If a pattern emerges, if there's five or more, discuss the consequences of continued failure. But that just, folks, it just doesn't happen. If you're worried about happening with a couple of your folks, it's not going to happen that badly. The benefits of one-on-ones far outweigh the costs. Uh, There may be a little bit of tension in the beginning, a little bit of rockiness, but that's not about the one-on-ones. It's about the newness. Fight through that newness and you're going to get better results because you'll have better relationships, more communication, and that leads to better results. Cool. Thanks, my friend. My pleasure, partner. All right, man. We'll see you next week. 
Thanks, everyone. That's it. We'll see you all again next week. So long. So long.